0: progress. It's in the actions we take right now, and in daring to think differently. Each one of us can do something to change things for the better, right where we are now, and a thousand small things done with intent adds up to real change. For some people, that initial spark becomes a fire. Welcome to the Every Change Changemakers podcast. I'm Anna, your host, and every month I'll be talking to inspiring leaders and activists who are changing outlooks, challenging perceptions, and making a difference in the worlds of inclusion, business, the environment, sport, travel, and more. We'll be discussing their work, motivations, and vision, and most importantly, how a revolution of one can lead to a positive, powerful change for the many. Today, we're talking to Jolie Brearley, author of the book Pregnant Then Screwed, the truth about the motherhood penalty and how to fix it. As founder of the campaign organisation Pregnant Then Screwed, she is spearheading the challenge against pregnancy and maternity discrimination in the workplace and fighting to make work work for mothers. So welcome, Jolie. Hello, thank you for having me. So what is the motherhood penalty then? And why is it so important to start speaking out about this? The motherhood
1: penalty isn't a term that's often used in the UK. It's, It's actually used quite a lot more in America. And it's coined by sociologists to sum up the systematic disadvantage that mothers face in the workplace compared to their childless counterparts in terms of pay, perceived competence, And benefits. So that's actually what it means. Mm. And how that manifests is in pregnancy and maternity discrimination. So from the moment that a woman gets pregnant, she may find that her opportunities completely change, even disappear. Uh, So she may be sidelined from meetings, her personal development reviews may go from excellent to substandard. And the the way her employees view her competence starts to deteriorate without her work deteriorating simply because she's pregnant, and then. Of course, women tend to take maternity leave and their roles may change when they're on maternity leave and they may face all different types of discrimination from bullying and harassment to flexible working requests being rejected, which mean they have to leave their job because they can't manage their personal and professional obligations, to being made redundant, to being sacked to having health and safety issues appear that force them to choose between the health of their child and their job. Those are the sort of the workplace challenges that they will face. But then on top of that, even if they find an employer who doesn't see them as less competent because they are dared to procreate and does do everything in their power to make sure they can manage their personal and professional obligations, they will still face extraordinary challenges in terms of finding childcare. For example, we have the most expensive childcare in the world. As a proportion, of income.
0: <laughs> don't we all know
1: it? Yeah, <laughs> it's basically, like paying for two additional houses to to have childcare. And if you have twins, I mean, it's almost impossible and also the availability of childcare. There isn't actually enough childcare in the UK to cope with the number of children. Um, And then you have um, challenges in terms of the amount of unpaid labor that women have to do. Because we are the ones that take time out in those early days to care for our children, we end up as the main carer. So, the responsibility of the care and well being of the children tends to then continue to fall predominantly on the mother's shoulders. And obviously, that's a lot of work. And we know that women do approximately 26 hours of unpaid labor a week, whereas men do 16 hours of unpaid labor a week uh th- there's some great statistics about how men have five hours extra leisure time compared to women we we're doing all of this additional work which obviously eats into our paid work it means we're either not as good at our paid work or we're doing less of it and so we're therefore earning less money
0: it's a pretty dystopian world isn't it and i would have <laughs> to guess it's one that uh most women who've had children had no idea that they were entering when they got pregnant and then obviously had had their children i mean i think there's a great sense that we've made great gender strides and you know great strides in equality and we're all you know pushing forward and then you have a child and you realize that the real politic is that actually motherhood has been forgotten a little bit by feminism would you think
1: yeah i do say that in the book and it's quite a bold statement that Mm. feminism has forgotten motherhood um I, I suppose it's probably a bit too bold. I'm not so sure that feminism has entirely forgotten motherhood, but we've we've sort of st- constantly been striving for women to be able to, you know, this really awful saying of have it all, which I hate. And what we've actually ended up in is a position where women are doing it all as a result. So we we do have far more women in work than we had, you know, even ten years ago, and that was constantly increasing until the pandemic hit which I'm sure we'll touch on later and but but we haven't dealt with properly all of this unpaid work that women are doing they're still doing the caring and actually if you look at the data women are doing more child care than they were 50 years ago they're not doing less so we're working more we're doing more paid work and we're doing more unpaid work and eventually something's got to crack and And sadly, women are cracking and people are often afraid to talk about it because it's so identity shaping and you literally invest blood, sweat and tears into being a mother. And so the choices that you make, and I say choices very loosely because I don't really believe they are necessarily choices. You stand by very strongly because this is about your children and they are the most important thing in the entire world and so if you let it slip that actually maybe you didn't do that quite right then that would play havoc with your mind and so, so it's a very challenging area to discuss but I also think this isn't about necessarily striving for more rights for women perhaps it's about striving for more rights for men you know we know men want to spend more time with their children and we know that men are working in, incredibly hard to bring home the bacon because mothers don't have this equal access to the labor force and actually what I would like us to do is create a world where that care is shared equally and men feel that they can take time out of their careers to care for their children and then I think we'll start to see things change.
0: this idea of choice the word choice is the key word here isn't it and again you write in your book mothers must make decisions within a very constrained framework you know these are you know they don't make choices in a vacuum Um, and these are influenced by culture your family legislation so talk to me a little bit about how how these interlock and, and what impacts these have It's
1: always the response that I get from people when we talk about the gender pay gap. Well, the gender pay gap only exists because of the choices that women make and women don't choose to be paid less. (laughs) We don't choose to live in a system where we are often dependent on a partner to keep a roof over our heads. We want full independence and the only way we can achieve that is if we live in a society where care is valued and where we have a labor market that allows people to care for their children and work and earn a living. Choice really is influenced by those factors, by uh, culture, by family, by legislation. We know that different religions place different pressures on women and on men and um, we know that in different countries and different cultures, where the legislation is different, women make very different choices to what they make in the UK. So, if we look at Scandinavia, for example, um, we know that far more women are in work and far more women work full time compared to lots of women working part time in the UK. We know that there are higher levels of well-being and happiness in those countries. So, you know, women being able to work and earn a living. Clearly, does contribute to um, higher levels of well-being and happiness. So, when people say, "Well, it's a woman's choice to not work to look after her children," we know in the UK there are eight hundred and seventy thousand stay-at-home mums who want to work but can't because of the cost of childcare alone. I did a quick poll on Instagram and I asked stay-at-home mums how many wanted to work. And it was about 85% said that they wanted to work. And I asked working mums how many wanted to stay at home with their children. And it was about 54% said they wanted to stay at home with their children. So clearly these are not choices people are making completely freely. They are constrained by the legislation framework within which we all live and operate.
0: So what choices would you like to see for women that perhaps currently aren't there for many people now? the key
1: changes that we would need to see to give women better choice are um a better childcare system so a properly funded really good quality childcare system where the staff are paid properly for the job that they do in the uk i mean the staff are paid so badly and it's women doing this work and so inevitably it means if you don't value care, you get out what you put in, don't you? And so our child care system is just not very good. It is not quality at all. And that's concerning for families. It means many families aren't comfortable with putting their children in child care, but it will have long term impacts on, on our children. It also, because it's so expensive, of course, we know that a third of mothers either pay to go to work or just break even. And so inevitably, many of them go, what am I doing? This doesn't make any sense. And so they fall out of the workforce. And we have, uh, from the age of three, you can get some form of free childcare. I say free very loosely as well. It's subsidized, really. But
0: that makes no sense, because by the time your child gets to three, you've already fallen out of the workforce. You touched on the Scandi thing, and and the excellent childcare systems that the Scandi countries have really underpins their famous progressiveness. Does policy fall in line with cultural outlook? I mean, how do we view motherhood in this country, whether overtly or covertly, and how much does that inform the choices and the legislation that come about? Um, I think we really
1: fetishize motherhood in lots of different ways. So I mean, all those things you hear, your kids are only young ones. cherish every moment when really you're thinking, I am broken and completely exhausted. And yes, I adore my children, but I do not need you telling me constantly that I have to Cherish every moment that, that and that if I'm not, then I'm not doing a good job. I think it's really important that we talk more about the challenges of motherhood and how brutal it can be. You, I mean, you, you don't shower for days sometimes on maternity leave. Your body is completely broken for months, if not years. Breastfeeding is can be horrific. You know, your nipples can bleed. You can be in utter agony and after labor you know you can your whole body can feel completely broken for a really long time we don't talk about that what we talk about is how precious these moments are and we expect mothers to only talk about the joy of motherhood we we don't give them the opportunity to talk about the pain and the anguish and how brutal it can be and i think that Means that we sort of allow this system to continue that means that mothers can be sort of hidden away in those houses doing that work and that nobody else need know about it. We know certainly in the UK that Brits don't respect working motherhood. One in three Brits think women with children under the age of five shouldn't be working, only 7% think they should be working full time. I mean, Boris Johnson in two thousand and six said the children of working mothers are more likely to mug you. Only fifteen years ago, our prime minister was making those kinds of statements. It's it's sort of hard for legislation to change because I suppose the government doesn't see it as a vote winner. You know, knowing that one in three Brits don't think women should be working anyway. Um, and we know that Brits don't really care about childcare. They don't really see it as an investment. They see it as a cost and that we should be paying for it. So it, it sort of all mixes together. But really, we're never going to change anything until legislation leads the way. The government has got to be brave and. Um, take a leading role
0: on this and then those stereotypes sort of follow because in in other ways we're we're, you know we're setting women up to fail really aren't we as as new mothers you know you're pitting this idealized motherhood against the actual reality which apparently we have to kind of absorb and make work and I think you know I was writing notes and things like postnatal depression then I think are a natural outcrop of that regardless of the immense personal transition of becoming a mother if you don't feel like you have those supports in place um, and you don't feel like you can say this is really hard and actually you're setting me up to fail because I can't go back into the workplace my identity's shot I'm absolutely exhausted you know everything is all over the place we need to have like you say someone taking the lead on that but I mean it's interesting you said you know government should take a lead legislation should be the thing that leads uh, change of thought but that's not going to happen is it it's a sort of chicken and egg type thing so where do we start unpicking it how can we start unpicking it as women
1: i would slightly disagree in that i think there is opportunities with legislation changing but
0: i mean if we go back to theresa may's
1: government actually i think she had big ambitions for changing legislation she was really keen on paternity leave certainly and really keen on flexible working she just didn't have time to implement those changes before she got shoved out um I'm not saying that she was a perfect prime minister by any means, but I do think she had some good plans up her sleeve. And um, although so far all we're seeing from Boris Johnson's government is actually a massive rollback in women's rights and them completely ignoring the needs of pregnant women and mothers, they, they have made some very grand statements about changes. And if we tackle this, effectively and en masse, I think we could potentially see some changes. So I don't think we should give up on it entirely. I mean, in terms of ways that we we change things for mothers without legislative change, I, I think it comes from companies and employers. And I think individuals can do lots themselves by having conversations with family and friends about uh, these ridiculous gender stereotypes and how they don't make sense for anybody. And I think we all need to, in our own homes, make sure that we are balancing the domestic labor and the unpaid labor between us so that our children see that it's equal responsibility of mothers and fathers to do that work. But Helen Lewis, the journalist says, there is one great contribution men can make to feminism pick up a
0: mop. We we come to the pandemic and we realise that although this is the aim and this is a a great way forward, you know, 2020, as you say, was the year we finally realised, you know, that the needs of pregnant women and mothers are sidelined and ignored with disastrous consequences for families. Women have taken on a disproportionate amount of domestic burden just almost by osmosis. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, let's talk about, you know, the pandemic ha- will either be the moment that it really becomes, a, you know, we all become very aware and it becomes very highlighted, or it's a moment where uh, those stereotypes are incredibly entrenched. And, you know, where do we go from there, we realise. So I
1: think the pandemic, um, as I say, has set women's uh, equality back by a generation and i i'm not the only person to say this price waterhouse cooper released a report the other week that said women's equality has been set back by at least a decade as a result of the pandemic i do think there are some positives we can pull out of it though as well but just to touch on what's happened so obviously the childcare facilities have been closed schools are being closed and that has added 31 hours of extra unpaid work onto a woman's week that's another full-time job and the government has done nothing at all to address that i mean they barely even said it you know alone put policies in place we had a little pat on the head from Michi Suna. From
0: Ishi Sunak, yes
1: yeah. <laughs> well done girls <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> um, which was a fat loss of use um, and we know that for every hour of uninterrupted paid work done by mothers, fathers were doing three hours of uninterrupted paid work. And the only time, this is one of my favorite statistics and this is the Institute of Fiscal Studies, the only time the unpaid work was being shared equally in the home was when a father had been furloughed and a mother was continuing to do her paid job. I mean, that's just crackers, isn't it? And inevitably that has a massive impact on a mother's paid work. And it means that um, she has been underperforming. She's been taking sick leave. She's been having meetings constantly interrupted. When it comes to redundancies, or when it comes to, you know, if companies are promoting people, women are the first in line to now be made redundant, mothers first in line to now be made redundant because they haven't been performing through no fault of their own. And they're certainly not getting promoted because they haven't been doing their jobs properly. The whole women falling out of the workforce, mothers falling out of the workforce is a big problem. And it will take a long time for us to recover from this because once mothers are out of the workforce, it's very difficult to get us back in because we have all these very specific needs. Pregnant women have been completely ignored from the outset of this pandemic. They've been forced to choose between the health of their unborn child and their livelihoods, which is not okay. We know that lots, sadly, many pregnant women have lost their lives as a result of being put often in very dangerous situations. In part, it's due to the government not even issuing information about the the rights of pregnant women in the workforce. Work They've just been completely ignored. And then we look at every scheme and every policy and at no point has it factored in pregnancy, maternity, motherhood. We had to take the government to court over the self-employed income support scheme because it gives mothers a payment that is far less than other types of employees. Um, and so all of this is, is, deeply concerning about the, for the finances of women, but also about the future of gender equality. It took us 20 years to increase maternal employment by just 9%, two decades. And that was through lots of work in trying to change our childcare system, improving flexible working, um, shared parental leave, all of those sorts of things, two decades. And we're looking at a rollback in maternal employment, I would say that's perhaps at least double that. So, you know, we've got a big battle on our hands. Looking at the positives of this and the, you know, I'm perhaps being ambitious again with these positives, but hear me out. We've The dads have been at home. And so even if they haven't necessarily been engaging in much of that unpaid work, they've certainly been witness to it. And we know that the unpaid work that the dads do tends to be the sort of fluffier side of the unpaid work. They do the bath times, they do the bedtimes, they do the playing with the children. What they will have seen is the dirty, horrible side of the unpaid labor, the scraping of encrusted porridge, the discipline of disciplining of children, the homeschooling, all of that sort of stuff that will hopefully have opened their eyes to how challenging it really, really is. But also many of them will have had to have got involved. They will have had to have shared that unpaid labor, or some of them will have had to have done all of it because their partner will have been a key worker. And I hope that that will start to chip away at those deeply entrenched gender stereotypes. And we know, you know, when in Iceland, the women went on strike in the 70s and whenever i say that lots of women go when are we going on strike <laughs> but um, it's quite it's a bit bit larger of a challenge in the uk to make that happen than compared to iceland but just the fact that there was one day where all the women said i'm not doing any unpaid work today and the dads had to do it changed the way they viewed those gender stereotypes and had such an enormous impact on the legislative framework in Iceland, they were the first country to have a female prime minister. They are the most gender equal country in the world, and you know that certainly wasn't true before the seventies. The the men in Iceland still refer to that strike as the Long Friday. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had many a Long Friday, though, haven't we, <laughs> small children? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I hope that in the same regard. The pandemic has had a sort of similar effect, and we'll start to chip away at those gender stereotypes. Again, you know, I'm being ambitious and hopeful with that statement, but fingers crossed. <laughs>
0: want to stop to actually quote you and uh, dedicate uh, this podcast for the women risking their careers and their sanity while propping up society which you wrote in your book and it really touched me as that's exactly what women have been doing I mean obviously everyone has been playing a great part in, in uh, pulling together through the pandemic but yes I think it's important to really highlight that uh, the invisible labor that has propped up the country during this uh, during this time on, I wanted to ask you um you know, going forward, what, what should women planning to have children really think about then? Um, and what should women who've had children stop doing?
1: So if you're planning to have children, I think it's really important that you have conversations with your partner about finances and money. Because women sacrifice a lot during maternity leave. Maternity leave pay, statutory maternity leave pay is currently... £151 pounds a week. So you get 90% of your pay for the first six weeks and then £151 pounds a week. I mean, that that's well below minimum wage. It's not enough to survive on. So of course, you've got to have conversations with your partner about splitting their wage so that you can both survive. But also, you know, don't forget pension contributions as well. Women end up, women's pension pot is on average, £187,000 less than a man's. And it's all because of this unpaid work that we're doing and we're not putting money into our pension pot. So have like really in-depth conversations about the finances to make sure you are not financially penalized for doing this work. And it is work. Also do some planning about what happens when maternity leave ends, consider childcare costs, of course. Think about flexible working. Are you going to want to go back part-time? Why is it you that's looking at going back part-time? Why is your partner not looking at going back part-time? And again, you know, you need to start to factor in the the finances for you and your future into that. Have a conversation about shared parental leave. Lots of the dads that I've spoken to have said, actually, they would have loved to have taken shared parental leave. They didn't dare broach it with their partner because they felt like she deserved it because she done the work of carrying the baby and giving birth. And so they didn't want to take any of the leave away from her. So do try, do have a really open conversation about it. And if you want them to take some time out, be really clear about that as well. Um, Know your legal rights. It is so important that women know what their legal rights in the workplace are because if you start to experience some form of discrimination, the best thing that you can do is have a really open conversation with your employer immediately and make it really clear that you know where you stand legally and have conversations with your partner about that split of unpaid work as well so that you're really clear on who is doing what. and trying to make sure it's 50-50. We, I found a brilliant app called Our Home, which was perfect for my partner because he's really competitive. And you have different tasks and you assign points to those tasks we did it based on time how much time it takes you to do it and then there was the awful task like taking the kids swimming which i hate which got extra points because ooh, i just can't stand it <laughs> but that really helped to then because because then he really wanted to win points so he's like doing all of you know extra and <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, probably those are the key things uh if you're planning to have children if you've if you've got children, I mean, I wouldn't want to tell anybody to stop doing anything if they've got kids.
0: But is there, is there anything that women with children generally do that undermines their drive for the, for greater balance and? and uh, division of labor, for example?
1: I mean, women should stop feeling guilty. Mothers just constantly feel guilty from the research that we have done and the conversations I have had with women. Because you are being pulled in so many different directions, You, we're doing more childcare than we used to do, and we're doing all this. Um, we're trying to have careers as well. We feel like we're not doing anything very well, and that means we're constantly feeling guilty guilty and that does nobody any good whatsoever so stop feeling guilty immediately that guilt is a patriarchal pressure and um it's completely unfair and it will affect your mental health so stop it and spend more time on yourself the research shows that if you invest in yourself that actually has better outcomes for children than you spending that time with your kids so so make sure you, you do something for you every single day and it will benefit everybody if you do.
0: So ultimately, Jolie, what's the change that you would like to see and how are you driving that forward um, at Pregnant Then Screwed?
1: We would like to see mothers have equal access to the labour market, to their childless counterparts and to men. And that means that we want to see an end to pregnancy and maternity discrimination. And we also want to see legislation that removes many of the artificial barriers that women find themselves headbutting when they have children and a career. So that means we want to see a better childcare system that works. We want to see um, better opportunities for flexible working so they work for everybody and so that everybody is working flexibly. We want to see properly ring fenced, properly paid paternity leave so that more dads are taking time out to care for their children in those early days. And I think if those are implemented effectively, then we will see a reduction in pregnancy and maternity discrimination. But at the same time, we'd also like to see various legislative changes that help enforce women's rights in the workplace as they stand at the moment. And what we are doing to try and uh, make a change is we... We give women free legal advice and support if they feel they are facing pregnancy and maternity discrimination in the workplace. We give women the confidence they need to challenge discriminatory behavior and to help them understand that if they face this form of discrimination, it is not their fault. They mustn't feel like a burden in the workplace, which we know many new mothers do. Um, We also help women take employees to tribunal and um, we work with employers to help them make their workplaces the best they can be for working parents. And we lobby and campaign and uh, get MPs to support these changes to legislation that we would like to see so that hopefully at some point things start to change.
0: Jolie Brearley, thank you very much. Thank you. Every Woman is a global platform for women in business that drives positive change by empowering women to achieve their professional potential. Visit everywoman.com to discover how we're advancing women in business and inspiring a generation of future female leaders. For every woman, everywhere.